0: Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget.
1: Welcome everyone, and thank you again for joining me this evening. Tonight I have a fellow author on as my guest. And her now. Iris, I believe you're on with me now. I am, I'm with you, Lou. Now, how many books have you written at this point?
2: Not as many as you.
1: <laughs> no. um,
2: I have re- this is my sixth book.
1: Well, you know, this is, and, and just before, Iris Krasnow is the author of Sex After Women Share How Intimacy Changes as Life Changes. And what I'd like this show to be is. Iris and I bouncing around in her book that, is, that has just been released. It's just releasing right now, isn't it?
2: This moment, yes. This, this moment. Really this moment. Uh, the, uh, the official publication date is um, February 6th. So I think that's tomorrow.
1: That is tomorrow. Now,
2: yeah.
1: So just, just to let people know, I get sent books on a regular basis to give testimonials, and Iris's was one that I very happily did a testimonial for, and this is what I had to say about her book. Ladies, get this on your book club list. You'll learn about you, your daughters, yourself, your mothers, and all the other women in your life. This, this book will start conversations that need to be had and discussions about female sexuality that are... Let me move this over female sexual health and pleasure that need to be better understood because the pleasure part of it is the thing that I like to focus on. As a sexuality author and certified sexuality educator, I know only too well that some of the best and most practical advice comes from those who have been there. I also know change to and in our sex lives is inevitable and that women want to know what other women really do to recreate their intimate and sexual landscape. So part validation, part guide, part supportive girlfriend, Sex After is your close girlfriend in book form sharing the real goods, and I mean real goods, on what they did and do.
2: I know. I was so happy to get that. Um, It was beautifully written. Thank you. I mean, and from one of my heroes. So that was so, yeah, I I think people tell me the truth um, about their lives. I'm not a uh, therapist. I'm a journalist who asks people a ton of questions over uh, a long period of time. A lot of my interviews uh, take days. Um, Mm -hmm. And some of the, um, all the stories are true, but I don't always give, the person's real name, so they're shielded by anonymity if they uh, choose to, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think people really just want to talk about what's going on in their lives, and they realize um, as women, not only are they disclosing, but they're helping, as you said, their sisters and daughters and, you know, just sort of passing on wisdom uh, from generation to generation as they did in the Bible. It's actually like a biblical storytelling sisterhood mm-hmm. passing on of wisdom and knowledge and truth and um, insights.
1: Well, the I love the, the different voices that each of these women, and, you know, sometimes you have, you know, men included. I love that you dedicated to the bodacious golden girls, and you have your favorite. But to let people know, Iris has put her book into four different sections, part one, two, three, and four. And part one starts with when people, when women are becoming sexual. And I love in your prologue how you had that comment of when you were first reading The Sensuous Woman by Jay, (laughs)
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I cloaked it in a brown paper bag because I thought, oh, my gosh, people are going to think <laughs> I'm perverted. Um, I'm on this airplane reading The Sensuous women, Woman, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then, you know, 30 years later, everybody's reading uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, men, women, children, <laughs> exactly. openly on a, on another Southwest flight.
1: And and here you are sort of like,
2: you're just Hiding. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I mean, I think that's important. That and and I we talked about this, um, and and I certainly, when I was growing up, uh, the raciest television show was Love American Style, and I remember the steamiest show was uh, a girl brought her boyfriend to visit her parents, and they lived in a nudist colony. Uh, I actually think Ozzie Harriet, Ozzie Nelson, played the father. And all you could see was the shoulders. And, you know, and we're all growing up in an era when Lena Dunham is playing ping pong in a song. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's oh, so what? In a way, the openness of sexuality and and, um, the letting go of this fallacy that we're puritanical and, oh, we don't do that, is is healthy on some fronts. It's Mm -hmm. over-sexualized on others but it's healthy to just
1: uh, sort of embrace what is. Well, you know, the one thing that I have seen that is such a difference is that same, you know, the the contrast between there's all of the sexual activity, but there's still, for some people, the nonsense of, oh, we have to be conservative. I mean, Mm -hmm. just... Just today I was at a luncheon for LASA, which is the Los Angeles Area Sexuality Association, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the, the Guttmacher report that came out and said that there is a decrease in the number of abortions.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and, and I asked the, the gentleman, his, his name is Hernando Chavez, and he is, coordinates our, our meetings, and I said, and what do you attribute that to, Hernando? Mm-hmm he said, do you want me to tell you from the left or from the right? I said, both. Mm-hmm. He said, well, the right will tell you it is because they are not giving any funding to um, any abortion clinics.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: he said, and the right will tell you that it's because they've had access to mm-hmm. contraception. Right. And yeah. I, said, I said, how about if we also throw something else into the mix here that?" there's a decrease in fertility rates. Mm. And so one of the things, when you were the, talking about the Chapter 2 is entitled The New Free Love.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: I loved the interview that you had with Jessica Bari. Mm-hmm. Who, she's in Miami, correct?
2: Mm-hmm. Hot, and, hot Miami. And she's 27, uh, mm-hmm. and she's a, uh, a life coach. And so, not only is she coaching uh, clients through their relationships, she's single, blonde, she wears these micro minis, really a, a really fun, smart young woman. Um, and she says dating is a dying art. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, you know, even though these young people in her practice and in her life and in the Miami playground uh, are hooking up and having random sex the overarching, overwhelming uh, feeling among predominantly more women than men is they're looking for love. Mm -hmm. And sex is a way uh, to try to find love and to try to uh, nurture love. It doesn't always work. And so in that way, you know, that chapter really looks at the sex uh, hooking up culture. Mm -hmm. I really felt in the voices of Jessica Berry and others in that chapter that even though we're evolving and we have girls on television and nudity on television and people in bed so much more on television, that some of the um, ancient yank of primal uh, attachment theories are still hold true, you know, that people still want to find a partner to love and to be loved and, and to have a committed relationship.
1: Well, I mean, and you also, the other thing, um, gentle listeners, that you must know is that when Iris did her research on this, she's a journalist, yes, but she also sought out the experts in the area of sexuality, you know, to, you know, to bolster and to give a, a, a greater thread so that people, when they're reading this, they go, oh, that's why this is happening. Well, uh-huh. what we know, Iris, is that even though we are so evolved, <laughs> the bottom uh-huh. line, you know, boils down to: uh-huh. we are still mammals, uh-huh. and as mammals, we're animals. Exactly. We uh-huh. have, and uh, there is a brain chemistry reaction with orgasm that you cannot interrupt, and uh-huh. that is Mother Nature put it into place. Uh-huh. And we we talked about this when we were setting up the interview that. Uh-huh. We do, people do want to have the connection and the attachment. We are living a lot longer. We are mm-hmm. having different types of relationships as well, which I love that and, and we're coming up to our first break here in one minute, and we'll talk about this later in the show, but the shifts and changes and the gender fluidity that occurs
3: mm-hmm. that is
1: acknowledged now by women in the sex after coming out because Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I know some women who have been absolutely blindsided by falling madly in love with a woman when they Mm -hmm. had always identified as being straight. Mm -hmm. And it happened when they were going through menopause and it was like, it was a yikes reaction on their Mm -hmm. part. Now, we have 30 seconds until our first break and when we come back, I'd like you to give our gentle listeners an idea of what spurred you to write this and how did you find these women and what made you choose them? Great question. Those will be that will be then the people that are listening. They'll go, Oh, my husband, that's me. Mm, okay. <laughs> so we will be right back after this break. Please stay with us.
0: Get ready to learn and play with Mrs. A. Your host, Barbara
4: Allison. Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know that kids are only 20% of the population, but they are 100% of the future? How are you preparing your child for that future? The years between the ages of zero and six are crucial for learning and development. Barbara Allison is a teacher, parent, and author on supporting children's early learning. Learning starts even before a child is born, and parents are children's first teacher. Join Mrs. A for ideas, tips, and suggestions for fun learning and play activities as she helps you support your child. Starting early is starting smart. For more on Mrs. A, her books, the show, and her blog, check out her website, 123kindergarten.com. Then, come learn and play with Mrs. A with your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind. Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know.
0: It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments.
4: We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side.
0: Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a
4: stressful world. Find
0: power. In those stories,
4: learn to discover your passions and joys again, create the life you want to live to the fullest. Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to Sex Talk.
1: is fellow author Iris Krasnow, and you can find her at www.iris, spelled the usual way, I-R-I-S, Krasnow, spelled the usual way, K-R-A-S-N-O-W.com. And just before the break, I said when we come back, I'd like to ask Iris what spurred her to write this, how did she find the women, and then how did she Select the women, because Iris, the reason and I, the reason I asked this is that it's, it's sort of um, very uh, core to why and how I wrote my books.
3: Mm-hmm. First off,
1: I wanted the information for me flat out. I wanted mm-hmm. to know what everybody else was doing. And secondly, that I knew there was a range of things, but that I also there were different phases that people went through. And the reason I wrote Hot Mamas about sexuality during pregnancy and immediately thereafter is because that's when I saw so many marriages end up in divorce
3: mm-hmm. within two
1: years of the birth of a child. It may not mm-hmm. have been the first or the second, but what I observed is that it didn't have to happen like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But many people did not keep an intimate connection or that partner connection when they had children. So. Yeah,
2: um, well, uh, so, you know, I I didn't really set out to write a sex book. Um, uh, I write about relationships, and each of my books sort of evolves by uh, how I grow while I'm writing and mm-hmm. the kind of letters I get. And, you know, when I started... Writing books, and I'm not 116. I'm in my fifties. I really did get letters. You know, now I get more emails. Um, mm-hmm. I get, and I know to, and I speak to a lot of women's groups. So with my this book, which was called The Secret Lives of Wives, and it was about long marriages and how do you sustain a long marriage. I noticed that most of my mail and most of my questions, uh, when I spoke, you know, and there was a Q and A really revolved around issues of intimacy and um, oh my husband has Alzheimer's so oh I met um, an old boyfriend on Facebook or at a high school reunion uh, what am I gonna do or oh um, how am I gonna stay in this marriage we're just friends it's not romantic it's not intimate or mm-hmm. I hate him and and mm-hmm. so I just thought well wow this is the buzz this is what people are wondering about it it's, it's Uh, about their evolving sexuality. It's about growing at every phase and stage. And so I just started talking to a lot of people. And the people I chose, um, some came from emails once in a while and not all the time, and I'm sure you get a ton of emails too. You'll notice one is sort of a shining star. There's a really well-written, very intense, email for someone really yearning uh, for an answer, which uh, I can't always give them, but I certainly can listen. And it's just a good story. Um, you know. For example, and this is uh, one of my more wrenching stories, one of my favorite stories in this book was from a young woman who wrote me and said, I'm reading Secret Lives of Wives and I'm getting a lot out of it. You tell me in this book that I need to be happy with myself else I'm never going to be happy in my couple. And I can tell you it's really working for me because my, Rick, yeah, my husband came back. This is
1: Rikala. Yeah, uh,
2: Rikala. My husband came back from Afghanistan without a leg. And we were mm-hmm. only married like five months. And he's got terrible post-traumatic stress disorder and he's mean. And and I have a three-month-old baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And I love him, and I'm still attracted to him. But So how, do, how does a, you know, when a couple like that can weave their way, that's so much more than just a sex story. That's oh, a life I, story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I uh, volunteer to speak about sexuality for severely injured sh- soldiers once a mm, year mm. and put together a panel, and we go so down to... You get to, it. <clears throat> Absolutely. So this is not, and the one thing that is not addressed, they may patch them up and they may give them meds and everything, but it was a woman who at the time was in um, uh, Rumsfeld's office and contacted me and said, we take good care of them here, but what we don't do is address the sexual part.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I mean, so, and then you feel like other people are complaining about such superficial things and, and here is, you know, your body has been changed or, or women I have a whole chapter um, on breast cancer how do you mm-hmm. um, go forward after a mastectomy a mastectomy, uh, I, I never pronounced that right and, mastectomy. Um, and really, you know accept yourself um, and that Shame. was a really open, eye opening chapter uh,
1: for me in so many ways Right they, just as there was an ad, a Super Bowl ad for I believe it was like a car, a truck, but it was literally for going for her cancer treatment uh, i
2: didn't I didn't see that, so the, yeah, see, I like the fact that a lot of things that people knew were happening weren't talking about is really open now, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like the fact. Uh, you know, a lot of people are coming back from war without legs or arms. And so the new normal may seem, you know, like, oh, we can't talk about that, but we need to talk about it. And I think my goal, um, you know, why did I write this book? Because it's happening. I mean, the average age in, in the United States of America for a young person to become sexual is 17, and I mean sexual. Uh, and so it's not like parents can say, oh, it's not my kid. It is your kid. You know, it's That's your a kid. debut. Yeah, it's your kid. Mm-hmm. And it's your mother who's lost a husband who's dating again at 70. And it's your father. Well, I mean, the men really need <laughs> to get mated pretty quickly. Although, you know, I really loved, I think the most surprising thing to me in this book was, you know, just the total shattering of the little old lady myth. And the total shattering. I mean, these women were like, wow. They just blew me away. That that was one
1: of the, the, that's your, um, the golden girls, the giddy golden girls. Yeah, I mean,
2: they were really experimenting with toys and techniques and, you know, just they were, as one woman said, you know, after all these years, I know exactly who I am. I don't care what anyone thinks of me. Uh, my husband is not here anymore after a 48-year-old, a 48-year marriage, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm dating again, and and she really had some, she said, I have more confidence, I'm more relaxed about my sexuality than I've ever been in my life, including in my marriage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a woman of 72 has 24 more years, if she's lucky, of, of you know, or maybe 30 more years, but let's say, 24 more good years. You know, you just... Uh, women in their early 90s are the fastest-growing segment of the aging population, late 80s, early 90s. So, you know, if you avoid heart disease and cancer and other stress-related uh, debilitating diseases, you know, you can really
1: have pretty long life, pretty long sex life. And, you know, one of my good friends uh, had... She said, you know, I I loved my husband um, when he died, but, you know, I didn't want to just go into another relationship. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And yet when other women at that age, after menopause and after having been in a long-term relationship, I've had women who have said, look, I don't want to be a nurse and I don't want to be a purse.
2: (laughs) Mm, Oh, that's so funny. Well, you know, we're talking about these elder women, but... Mm -hmm. Some of the really inspirational women in the book were the women who were just married also and who the honeymoon was over, they may have a baby, their Their bodies are not quite the taut um, b- body of a bride. You know, every bride's just lost 22 pounds, looks <laughs> the best. Um, you know, I mean, it's the greatest. Is that an event. actual number that you know? Or well, you, just you know, it. everyone's skinnier than they've ever been. You know, I right. was. I know that. And, you know, you just, it's bliss. Everything is perfect. Perfect band, perfect people, perfect presence, perfect everything. And you have a honeymoon, and that's pretty good. And you come home, and there's a mortgage, in-laws, uh, someone snores, you're sharing a bathroom, and it's just the honeymoon's over pretty quickly. Um, and... So then Someone you know i love that's so great. Well, or both. And yes. I and I loved talking to those women about, you know, moving through that fantasy scape uh, the la la land of the wedding build up and then it's reality. Mm-hmm. And then it's another phase. And it, you talked earlier about um at the two year mark, you know, the two year mark and the teenage mark, the fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year mark. Are uh, some of the uh, most frequent junctures uh, for divorce, and one, is, and it's obvious. One is, you know, you're coming down from the honeymoon and the fantasy, and at fifteen, sixteen, uh, you're clinging to lost youth. You're forty-six or whatever, forty-five. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you've gone to your high school reunion and seen somebody that you once liked, and he looks great. Um, and you've got teenagers, and they're a pain in the ass.
1: Mm-hmm. So but, you, you know. know? Those When you talk about going to those high school reunions and seeing someone, Mm -hmm. it's not a bit of a wonder that people are still have that button, you know, that that's the first one that the download of incredible attraction was there. First off, you didn't have to have a job, you didn't have to work, you didn't have to worry about anything. You could have 100% focus on that person. Because I had one woman one time, she said, I just want to have that same passion that I did in high school. And I said, exactly what part of your life right now is like high school? Mm -hmm. Well... (laughs) I said, said, it's not the reality for you. mm -hmm. And yet, for her, she wanted to have that feeling. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, that's such a good point. Uh, You know, I'm thinking um, when, uh, you know, the subhead of the book Sex After Women Share, how intimacy changes as life changes. One of the other... I, I don't know that I was so surprised about it, but in my uh, chapter, we're going to, we're about...
1: going to, Iris, we're going to have to hold the surprise because we're coming up to our next break. Okay. We're getting so involved in our conversation. Stay with us, and we'll come back with the thing that surprised Iris.
0: This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Have you ever wondered why
4: America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management, the holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness, how emotions are directly related to physical illness, and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com.
5: Are you ready? To start rocking that woohoo that only you do? Because Lisa steadman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of WooHoo Inc. and the WooHoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo hoo and turn it into woohoo. Get Rebel
1: Welcome back, everyone. Just before the break, my guest, Iris Krasnow, who is the author of Sex After, Women Share How Intimacy Changes as Life Changes, which is releasing tomorrow. And honestly, there, there's you, there's your friends, there's your girlfriends, there's your parents. This is about women in every phase of their life, from when they become sexual to when they're looking for love, and connection to right after, you know, the special, you know, honeymoon. And what was the thing, Iris, you said there was one thing that surprised you? Well, uh,
2: um, one of the things that surprised me, we were talking about, um, you had said, you know, it's really hard to find uh, that, you know, as a teenager, you fall in love and you're unencumbered, you don't have that mortgage or a snoring Mm -hmm. spouse, you know, you're just free. You're free to love, you love deeply, it's the first time. Uh, And then, um, in in my infidelity chapter, how do you spring back in a marriage after someone has uh, been disloyal, has cheated? Some of these women are not able to. I mean, because they have uh, connected with an old lover and it's still passionate because not only is it an unrequited love, there's history to that love. So there's Mm -hmm. layers of love, and that person still makes you feel useful because you're frozen in time with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I don't have any answers to that, you know, but I heard that. Um, And obviously Facebook and uh, all the other ways we can connect now, cell phones, really connects us all in different ways, more dangerous ways to committed relationships than ever.
1: Um, And, you know, we both know that in many divorce, you know, submissions now, it's the stuff that's on social media that is the, that's mm -hmm. the trail that gets followed. Mm -hmm. And
2: and then even though we're sitting here and I have an iMac and an iPhone and, you know, all sorts of gadgets, but not that many, um, it's ancient, you know, the fact that humans um, are attracted to other people, and um, there's sexual chemistry between lots of people, you know, we're attracted to, If even if we're heterosexual, we, the same-sex people we choose as friends there's some kind of human attraction, and we just can't help that, um, who we're attracted to, and You know, it'll be interesting to see how relationships evolve in the next 20, 25 years. And one of the reasons um, there's fewer abortions, um, there's better birth control, and there's more people that just really want to prolong their youth and don't want to have children and maybe don't want to settle down. I mean, the divorce rate is down. It was 50% for 30 or so years. Now it's at 43% or so. Some of that can be attributed to the fact that people less people are getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's people are marrying later and smarter, and you know, they're just sort of prolonging this period
1: where they're experimental right, or is also also the number one household in the US. and this is not just this past census, but the one before that, mm-hmm. happens to be unmarried you know, adults living together.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So the mom, dad, and two kids, supposedly ideal, is not the majority of households, particularly here in the U.S. It's really changing. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing fewer people. Marriage is still something that's an institution that's important for people. Now, I want people to know that you wrote one of HuffPost's most popular blogs, and that was the one where you t- wrote about the fine line between marriage and divorce.
2: That's right. Yeah, and, people
1: really responded to that one. And <clears throat> you know, just give, you know, the gentle listeners an idea. Well,
2: um, you know, I just, when the Secret Lives of Wives came out, um, I was bombarded with emails from people who said, you know, I think about divorce every day. Week, but I'm married for 30 years, 20 years, 50 years, and Mm -hmm. so, you know, there just is that eggshell thin line between staying and going sometimes, and, uh, you know, if people are honest in long relationships, they know that fine line between love and hate, that fine line between loathing and loving, that fine line between staying and going, Mm -hmm. Um, and some stay, some go, some go and regret it, some stay and regret it. And so, you know, a lot of it is just that frailty and imperfection about relationships. And a lot of it stems from, you know, just not really knowing who you are. You know, it's it's very, uh, uh, one of the things I was struck by in my interviews with older women versus younger women is a lot of the confusion and self-doubt among younger women when it comes to intimate relationships was just about youth. And Mm -hmm. uh, the women over 65 and 70 were very confident about who they were and they had, even if they had only had one partner, you know, they had wrinkles and gray hair. Well, not a lot of them probably have gray hair, Uh, um, but they truly have gray hair. And they didn't care about, you know, the, the, the insecurities that you have when you're young. And, right. and I like that, and I thought it was just really inspirational mm-hmm. um, about aging. You know, I try to write books that are hopeful and that give people not only strength to go forward, but a little window into what to expect at every stage.
1: And that's what, I, I, gentle listeners, you will get out of this, is that these are women, and, you know, speaking of, you know, things of, you know, there's, one woman in the book who, you know, the Vicki one, diving I in, and her. breaking her neck. I almost did that myself when I was 15 in Hawaii. Mm, mm. And I hit the bottom of the pool, and I'm lucky. I mean, I r- ripped my shoulder, but that, you know, she came out of this, and all of her world was going to be completely upside down, but that isn't how it turned out.
2: No, she was a wonderful... Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful interview. I interviewed a woman who's fifty, who had uh, took a dive in a swimming pool in her middle twenties, and um, is in a wheelchair now. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, married an able-bodied person, uh, had a child um, who she birthed naturally and breastfed, and she's married happily and intimately. And you know, if Vicki can do it, anyone can. Mm-hmm. In, in all fronts, um, drives herself to work in what she called a tricked-up uh, vehicle. And, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, just what, a, what an inspirational woman. And, you know, you hear about other people fetching about little problems in their lives. And, you know, it's about love. And I started, uh, we started this interview, and I said I didn't set out to write a sex book, and I really didn't, and I don't think in the end I did, even though it's called Sex After. It's about life mm-hmm. and um, intimacy, and and as one woman said to me, in order to have great sex, you have to have, uh, a, it has to be a mental match. It has to be a emotional match, and I, I really agree with her. It um, mm-hmm. has to be a mental match. It has to be so much more than just... Um,
1: When you were going, in each of the chapters, you know, sex after baby, sex after his illness, sex after infidelity, and sex after divorce, what I hear from these women is, yeah, I, you know, I got blindsided by this, or this happened, or whatever, yet, they still have an attitude of, you know what, there's something else out there for me, Mm -hmm. and... Infidelity, I know, you know, just speaking, and I'll speak, you know, for myself, that one of the things that was the toughest for me when I went through my divorce Mm -hmm. was the feeling that I could not trust my own judgment. Mm -hmm. Yet, what I realized very quickly is I didn't go into the marriage with all the information that I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, There had been a pink elephant that he, uh, you know, a second agenda that he had that I didn't even know about. Mm -hmm. So that part of it was, you know, get to know yourself and the other person better, Mm -hmm. but I still didn't, it still was, I realized very quickly, it wasn't, I didn't have to beat myself up.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and but how do you really know somebody other than through time? You know, I, I think that you you can't really know anybody fully at all, other than if you have time with them. Um, and so it's interesting because there's this whole set of women that I interviewed that were just blissful after 52 years, and oh, I love him, and I'm attracted to him still. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was that other set of uh, not relieved when they became widows, but ready for you know ready to spring forward into
1: a new life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, um, can I ask? And that was okay, was... right? We have one minute until our um, final break. Do you not find, Iris, that when these women said, "Okay, I'm ready to go on with my life," it was also because they had that support system of other women and they'd seen other women going through this. And, you know, we talked that many times men will marry very quickly, either, you know, for companionship or, you know, because they've never really been on their own at, at a certain age. Mm-hmm. And women are more likely to go, you know what, I did that and I'm not going to continue. Mm-hmm. So, we're coming up we have to our final break here. My guest is Iris Krasnow, author of Sex After. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the infidelity and when you are widowed, how these women dealt with that. Please stay with us. Now, I'm going to take a break here. I'll be right back, Okay.
0: This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com.
4: Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on
3: toginet.com.
4: He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management. The holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Just before the break, I said that my guest, Iris Krasnow, author of Just Releasing Tomorrow, Sex After, and this is the women, and there was 150
2: women that you interviewed, Iris? I did. I interviewed 150 women, but I also interviewed oncologists, urologists, gynecologists, you know, a sex therapists. There's some, uh, you know, they raw stories, raw and real stories for ordinary women, you know, I also turned to the experts to uh, find out research as well. I think one of my m- more interesting interviews, uh, and there are men in this book, I interviewed mm-hmm. a few great men, um, mm-hmm. the urologist, you know, in my chapter right after breast cancer, I think, or, or in sex after his illness, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when men have prostate cancer, how that not only affects uh, the male identity, but definitely it can affect uh, how people rejigger their intimate lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was a really interesting chapter. The, the doctor that I interviewed really is a great proponent of what he calls, I think, watchful surveillance, that if it's not a large tumor and just a minuscule tumor to just watch it is not to remove it and uh, immediately and cause sexual dysfunction when maybe this tumor would never have grown into a full-grown, full, you know, debilitating uh, cancer. So, you know, I really learned a lot along the way, and I think there's a lot of uh, prescriptive uh, research in there from medical practitioners that will help guide people in their intimate lives way past just what they're feeling emotionally.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would also... Um... Second, that statement of not rushing into something right away in mm-hmm. a panic. The same way for women, they're they're told um, you have breast cancer, and then they immediately it's like right away they're making appointments for all of these things. And I, the person I use to make that comment is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who mm-hmm. is uh, she's board certified in three specialties, has a major clinic in. Cleveland, and she said, Look, you have a week, two weeks to make your decisions on these things. Don't immediately rush in when you are, you know, terrified and scared and don't have the information. Breathe. Mm-hmm. And because if you have been diagnosed, it didn't happen overnight.
2: And exactly. I
1: you mean, do, it, you do have the time. time. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for men, and, and you know, the, impact of the treatments for men are so so debilitating for mm-hmm. sexual function. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, yes.
2: And so that was interesting, you know, just to, um, and you had asked about infidelity, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, that was an interesting chapter. Um, a couple of the women that I included in that chapter were women who had really, really, uh, You know, you could call them uh, victims of the one who got away. They were still longing, pining, uh, thinking, fantasizing about somebody that they were not married to. For some reason, that relationship with somebody that they had that first great passion with, they didn't end up with. They married bucket number two. Not that Mm -hmm. bucket number two wasn't a lot of other great things, but it wasn't that. Bonfire, uh, and so uh, you know there's fantasy, there's disillusionment, there's co- comparing, uh, and so it, it's a different kind of infidelity. It's uh, being with one person and thinking about another. It's like an emo- feeling torn in your soul, sort of. Mm-hmm. There was one woman I interviewed who um, married for a long time, had a bonfire high school boyfriend, reconnected with him, and now she's having an affair with Bonfire boyfriend and happily married to husband. Now, meanwhile, her heart feels like it's sliced in two. Mm -hmm. However, this is what she said. She can't let go of either one. And, I mean, I think that if we took a poll of everybody in the world you know, I'm again just making this statistic up, but maybe eighteen percent of the people that we interviewed might have some kind of situation like this where you're pining for someone that you're not with and you're with someone that you're kinda happy with or settled with
1: here's here's what we know (laughs) Maybe it's not twenty
2: seven percent, maybe
1: it's seven. I think it might be uh You might think it might be more. (laughs) Twelve? Here's the thing. you know, when we look at relationships and sexuality, there's a reason why people stay and there are also reasons why they leave. Now, in many cases where someone, what we know as, you know as a sex educator and those of us who are in this field, when people tell you, you know, many times when they're being sexual with their partner, they're fantasizing about someone else. Is that healthy? Yes. Okay. It It is healthy because what it does is it has them connect physically with their partner, but both women and men do it mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Whatever. You know,
2: as long as it... Um, yeah, and you know, that that's another... My last book was called The Secret Lives of Wives, and sometimes mm-hmm. like a secret like that might be healthy. I don't know whether sharing that is going to really help bolster either person's Uh, self-esteem. Here's here's the thing that it does. Secrets can be healthy, right? Well, secrets, there are,
1: we all have secrets, and secrets are a way of understanding the world, and we don't have to share them with everybody. Right. And one of the big secrets that many people have sexually is how they masturbate. Mhm because that tends to be much more private. Mhm. And you know when we are talking about, you know, the giddy golden girls. Mhm. These ladies were fabulous.
2: And yeah, they were really open about their sexuality, weren't they? mm
1: mm-hmm. Mhm. And and, and but they and they made one another laugh and the other woman saying, you know, my girlfriends are, you know, They're totally horny. They're, what was it, they're in their 70s. They're so
2: jealous. Yeah, they're so jealous of my relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, again, it's just really kind of reaffirming for each other, coaching each other on. I know one of the women I interviewed in that chapter who was in her 70s, um, she was really telling her girlfriends, you know, some of the women were saying, oh, my husband just never wants to do it. And she was saying, well, just go sit in his lap. You can make this happen. sort of coaching them on, uh, which was really just so inspiring every step of the way. I feel good about this book. And most of all, I hope that it really propels people into their, you know, embracing their relationships full on, Mm -hmm. um, feeling comfortable with their choices and not thinking that anyone else is having better sex or more sex or more perfect sex than they are because nobody knows what's going on.
1: No one knows what's going on. Yeah, and (laughs) And, and people
2: lie about sex.
1: Right. I I like your statement about that, Iris, that, you know, what, you know, having people, because when having people see something that's from a positive, I've got a sticker here that I typed out, a setback is a setup for a comeback. and. I don't know who originally said, I know there's a book that's out there about it, but what I do know from all of the personal work that I've done and I've watched other people do, if you want to have things work out in your life, be around people who are positive. And Mm -hmm. these women that you spoke with are the women who have gone through these things, come out the other side and gone, you know what? I've gotten past that. I no longer am calling him the one, the one woman that says, no longer referring to him as a mother, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she said, yet that was the thing after the infidelity that had her, she started wearing her wedding ring again, mm-hmm. but it was something that if you can look forward into your future and see what's there for you, that's what I think part of this book is is people can see a future that they can create. Mm -hmm. They're not at the, you know, they are in charge, and it's their foot that's on the gas pedal on how these things happen for them.
2: Yes, and then these women are there to navigate them along the way. Like if you're 27, there's women in the book who are 30, and then if you're 40, there's women in the book who are 50. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I really take people through 90 and the infidelity chapter, I, I liked, is the women who had weathered it or had been in, unfaithful, you know, you can't always forgive, forget, but you. What did she tell me? You can't forget. You can't forget and you can't forget,
1: but you can move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, what, you know, and what we know in the area of sexuality for people dealing with this, if the two people both take some form of responsibility for what's going on, then they typically can move on. However, if someone is constantly being the, you know, I was cheated on and
0: constantly bring
1: it up, it's just a matter of time before all the wheels go flat on that vehicle.
2: Yeah, well, that's so interesting to just sort of look at the relationship. And, uh, oh, gosh, there's so much going on. And, you know, it's interesting to me. We, We started the conversation by talking a little bit about why I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. But everyone's interested in sex. You know, everyone eats, everyone sleeps, everyone does other things. But it's something that really unifies us as beings. And so...
1: Um, there's, no, there's no question about that. Now, we have probably 30 seconds until the end of this show. I
2: okay, well, what a delight to know you and to have you reach out in this way. Oh, my and, pleasure.
1: And, you know, the, for our gentle listeners, If you want to read about some stories of some women and men that will warm your heart and have you see, you know what, this is, and this is how they maintain their connection to themselves. We're born of sex. It's where we come from. It's one of the most crucial things that we have and how we relate to our partners. Iris, I think you did a beautiful job with this book. And Lauren was my editor for all of my books as well.
2: <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for reaching out to me. And I look
1: forward on you know, to go on this journey with you more. Absolutely, my dear. So thank, thank you. you. My guest was Iris Krasnow, author of Sex After, Women Who Share, How Intimacy Changes as Life Changes. Thanks so much, Iris. Take care. Thank you. Bye now.
0: Bye. Lou Paget.